1: Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. This is a jam-packed episode. We have grocery store Joe on, which I'm not sure why we call him grocery store Joe. He might be massive stock trading Joe. You're going to hear all about the money he makes per day, how much he lost when he went broke. The full story of his professional background before the show, during the show, after the show to today. It's a wild story. It's a side of Joe I've never known. And I've been friends with Joe for going on four years now. These are conversations I never had. And then what you can expect right after the Joe episode, we have one of our Trading Secrets viewers coming on, a pharmacist. Ever wonder what they make, how much it costs for them to become a pharmacist school-wise? The debt the dollar amounts, the bonuses, all things pharmacy. And if you have no interest at all in the pharmacy space, we do talk a little bit about, as a consumer, things you should know when you are working or going to a pharmacist. And then, of course, the recap with the one, the only, the Curious Canadian. This is this is an episode you can't afford to miss. And also in the reviews, make sure to give us five stars. Let us know what you think we should call our community. We talk about it a lot. We have one of our viewers coming on and we're in the recap. We're like such a boring word, our viewers. What should we call you guys? Give us five stars. Let us know in our reviews what we should call our community. And if you suggest something that we pick, we're going to give a $100 bonus. All right. That said, let's ring in the bell. With grocery store Joe. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today I am joined by one of Bachelor Nation's most loved and well-known personalities, Joe. Oh my God, Joe. I was just thinking about this on my way here. I'm gonna ask to you this before I'm gonna take a shot at this. And I've known Joe for now five years. And if it was any other guest but Joe, I'd be mortified right now. But I'm not. But it's uh it's either Amobile or no, it's Amable. Amobily. Amobily. Like yeah. Monopoly, but Amobily. Like Monopoly, but not. Amobily. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Amobily. I've known him for five years. We're good buddies. Grocery store Joe is what he's known as. Joe is a former grocery store owner from Chicago, if you guys remember, but he was unexpectedly became the major fan favorite after he was just eliminated night one. I'll never forget where I was that night, and I'll tell you about that. Joe eventually went on to participate And Bachelor in Paradise twice, where he met his now fiance, Serena Pitt, and Dancing with the Stars. After his string of reality TV appearances, Joe has recently taken a step back from reality TV limelight. However, he still remains very busy co hosting Clickbait, a podcast focus around Bachelor Nation, and running his own food blog and pasta sauce brand under the name Sundays with Joe. We got some here. I've had it. It's unbelievable. We're going to discuss the unique and unexpected path that Joe took to get where he is today and how he's been able to capitalize financially on his rise to fame without sacrificing his core roots based around good food and produce. Joe, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Wow. Well done. You like I'm, that I'm, intro? I'm flattered. I'm <laughs> flattered and impressed.
1: <laughs> Other than the last name screw up, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that one. Very good. All right. First thing I got to kick off with, Grocery Store Joe. Are you okay. sick of the name? Do you hope people never call you it again? Do you own it? What's your take on the name?
2: I own it. I would say okay. the name, the name really, you know, I can't. I was able to capitalize off the, the name and the name has kept me somewhat relevant, okay. like through throughout Bachelor Nation. Like people know grocery and have store heard Joe. Of grocery store Joe.
1: Yeah, they know of it. Do when like if you're walking down the street or someone comes up to you, will they say that's yes. the grocery guy or do they call you Joe
3: now?
2: Joe from the Bachelor. Yeah, Joe. Okay, but grocery store Joe. Yeah, I would say an, a lot.
1: I love it. I remember the first night when our season came out, and I was watching it with Colton, and we were like like trying to analyze everything and what's going to happen and who what's going to like how's this all going to air and out of nowhere like the internet just stopped and it wasn't becca season anymore it wasn't anything about colton certainly not about me it was grocery store joe everywhere you were trending you were the number one thing everyone's talking about it what was it like that first night knowing that when the show aired you were eliminated but to see just everyone gravitate towards just like you your story and you as a person like what was that like
2: it was shocking for sure mm-hmm. and exciting the thing was i just i'm obviously shocking i was not expecting it you know you yeah. go home night one and i remember going home and talking to like my cousin who was a huge fan of the show and like mm-hmm. my mom and they are basically like yeah if you went home night one nobody's really going to remember you mm-hmm. um And we were watching the show, and I remember prepping my friends, being like, "This is going to be so bad. It's going to be very embarrassing." (laughs) And we were, my brother was like, "No, like you're like starting the trend on Twitter." And ever since then, you know, like my TV, my TV uh, experience has been pretty. Pretty good to me. was there like one tweet or what because there were a bunch of celebrities i
1: remember like colt and i were going back to Florida, like oh my god she's talking about good by grocery store joe and he's talking about was there like one celebrity or one big person that tweeted that night that you're like holy shit, there might be something here like I, something might be happening
2: i didn't have twitter at the time <laughs> god <it. so laughs> i didn't did, see any of it did you have any social media before the show i had no not before the show okay so um once i got home one of the producers suggested that I get Instagram. And you had no idea how to do it or work it? I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah. I mean, you download the app, you throw <laughs> a few photos yeah, up. Yeah, but now it's so there.
1: complicated. Yeah. And, and I just think that the crazy thing is, is you've built such an unbelievable platform using it. All right, so I'm stepping into the grocery store stuff because I want to actually get into the the store that you own. So they do the clip on the first season, they do your home, what do they call it? The hometown package, right? Right. Yes. And they they show you at the grocery store. And I'll never forget night one. I think maybe it was like after the show aired, you had told me, one of the producers told you like, your package was great. You're doing like, we think there's big things here. Just don't screw up that intro when you come out of the limo Mm -hmm. and you totally completely screwed it up but there's something about and I want to bring this back to business because there's something about your relatability in the fact that like first impressions are so important but you were so real and authentic with the fact like "Ah, I fucked it up that like it it gravitated to people and so I want to tie this back to like interviewing and making first impressions you had a huge stage with a lot of pressure and everyone wanted you to make it perfect. It didn't go perfect, but it worked out. So what advice do you have for someone out there that like gets nervous in those situations or they're in an interview and they have to make that first, first impression and it doesn't go as planned.
2: You have to, for me, you know, I had really, really bad stage fright. And I remember before going on the show, watching night ones, cause I knew that was going to be my biggest issue. I knew it. Like I get anxiety. Like this is, I'm, this is probably not going to go well. Did you tell them that, like producers? Or no, okay. no, no. Like, yeah. I was like, just I just want to go out there and do, I didn't want like a shtick. I just wanted to go out there and do, just be me. Sure. And yeah, I, my suggestion would be this, lean into it and get ready to be uncomfortable and fail and that's okay because that's the only way you're going to get better. Like the only right. way I've gotten better at, you know, podcasting and being in the public is just Repetition and doing it, and really just learning from my mistakes, and that's how I get comfortable in the situation now.
1: Yeah, I like that. But one of the other things you do too that's so different than me is you because we've had the pleasure of doing, you know, stuff on stage and interviews together and all this stuff, and you don't want to be prepared at all. It's crazy. Like, so I'll suppose for you guys listening, suppose Joe and I are going to do an interview. I'm making this up, but let's say it's with People Magazine, right? And we're talking on The Bachelor. I would want every question you're going to ask, I want to think through it, I want to know what's going to happen, I don't want to get caught off guard, where your take is like, I don't want to know
2: anything, just shoot it at me and you'll get my perspective. Why is that? Uh, I'm an overthinker. So if I get the questions and I prepare, I don't want to get in my head and, yeah, I overthink. I'm better just off the cuff. Off the cuff, I love it. Improv, let's I, go. Improv.
1: All right. So at home, find out what you're good at. Stick to it. Own it. The reason I wanted to get into the bachelor story is because grocery store Joe is your identity from the show. And we did some research. We found. I'm going to show this to the cameras. We found because we do research here. Like just like I said, this is Joe's grocery store. It is called Eric's Food Market. It looks. Uh, a, little, a little weathered. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I mean, we actually remodeled but it. looks it. like it's got great character. So when they filmed that show, did or when they filmed your hometown package, was that hometown package actually in this store? Yes. Okay. Yes. And tell me about how you got into the grocery business, what your story was with this store. Like, what is the background behind Joe and Eric's Food Center?
2: Yeah. So Eric... Is one of my really close friends. Yeah, he's Eric's foods. He he's, he's the, the owner. Eric. Yeah, he was the owner. Okay, owned another store in Atlanta that he still has that does really well. We sold that store. So basically, I was in the produce industry. I was wholesaling to all different grocery stores. Got it across the Midwest, but would have like you know you get like Whole Foods orders yep. and stores like Jewel and Mariano's and just bigger chains, Kroger's. Yeah, I was doing that for. A little, I think a little under three years in the company I, I was with was gonna go under. Okay. So I could have went somewhere else, but I wanted to learn the grocery end of things because I felt like if I'm gonna stay in this industry, I want to eventually be my own boss and own something. Sure, sure. So I was talking to my friend Eric. He's like, Why don't you come into this store for a percentage? Okay. So I'm like, you know what? This seems to be the perfect time. Let's do it. Very quickly did I realize I Do not like the grocery business. It's very meticulous. It's it's long, long hours. And it's just, it's repetitive and it's the same thing every day, every day. It's a grind. And the store that, the store was just, it was above water, but it wasn't in the greatest neighborhoods. And it was just, it was just rough. So we started looking for a buyer. Okay. And sold it. In the interim, I got casted to go on The Bachelor bachelorette sure and they they came and filmed my package there but we were i think i had told them like the store's actually sold like we're gonna be out of here in i think it was like a month so when you did that package you guys didn't you didn't even own the store still anymore no but i was still buying i was i so i flipped from being a seller to a buyer and i was i was buying for his other store in Atlanta okay. and buying for a few others. Uh, got it. Stores.
1: Got it. Okay, so so if so far out there you've heard underwater, you've heard wholesale, if you start to get confused by any of the business terms cuz we're hitting on a bunch of stuff today, stay tuned to the recap. That's the curious Canadians job. We will define those things. For this store when you got your equity, how much money did you have to put up front?
2: Uh I
1: i honestly i don't like did he require a dollar amount or no yeah it
2: was more it was there was there was something but it was more sweat equity as well
1: okay gotcha yeah and then when you
2: sold it did you recoup the money that you had to put into it uh
1: yeah okay like one times two times three times
2: uh just a a long term we have like a long-term deal gotcha
1: okay what so financially did owning the grocery store and selling the grocery store change much for your financial like portfolio like if you look at like joe's life was that like a life changer or was that like eh, it did it moved the needle a little bit
2: yeah well i would say it wasn't it wasn't a life changer but it was definitely it definitely helped me grow as a businessman and learn a lot about that industry
1: gotcha if anyone ever thinks that they want to start a grocery store open a boutique one or wholesale produce what advice would you have
2: to get into it and would you recommend it just you you have to you you have to live there it's 24/7 there. work work it's it's all day every day and as time goes on it yeah. gets easier and you learn it but something like i treasure from just having uh the grocery store was if i did want to open up a restaurant now i i know a lot about the business i know the back end i know like somebody's got to order the napkins yeah i know you got to pay attention to quantity and what you're ordering and the deals you get so like yeah like i i I could do it. Like if I if I needed to open up a restaurant, which is something I was considering for a little bit. Yeah, um, I think I could open up one and be successful.
1: Okay, I got two questions. One is for the consumer when you walk into a grocery store, and one is if you want to own a grocery store. If I wanted to own a grocery store and operate it in like an area like this, and it was similar size to yours, or just like a smaller boutique, what do you think? Estimating on an annual basis you can make is like a grocery store owner one store smaller boutique type store in new york uh in new york or
2: chicago let's do chicago let's do you know know that market i have no idea i mean it's still all about location the problem is with the smaller grocery stores and this is what i realized being in it for the short amount of time i was in it yeah it's very hard to compete with the big dogs you know they're you know it used to be where the smaller boutique neighborhood stores were the cheaper ones yep yep it's not like that anymore because the big stores buy in bulk so they get deals Mm -hmm. so if i'm if i'm selling to whole foods for example i'm going to give them a much better deal because they're going to buy truckloads of watermelons opposed to the little guy who's going to buy 10 boxes gotcha so that's that's where it's extremely difficult so unless you If you had so if you were going to open a small store yep i would suggest you have a great hot foods area okay because there's a meals to go yeah there's a lot of profit in that okay and then you you eliminate your your waste got it as far as produce i would i would suggest oh interesting having a very Wait, wait a second so the
1: produce i never thought about that the produce that's probably about to go bad is the produce they'll likely used to cook for like hot meals and stuff?
2: Correct. Gotcha. And it, but I mean, it makes sense. It's still, it's still good. good. It's
1: still good, but, but you, you're not throwing it out.
2: Yeah, okay. and, you, and you you don't want to buy it and then leave it in your in your house because in a week it is going to go bad. Yeah, give me a, a number that
1: you estimate someone could make if they open a store, and like <sighs> like net income.
2: Great, great walking traffic, good hot foods area, solid produce. 250 250 okay that's a good one now i'm curious
1: someone walks into a grocery store where are people like myself or you guys listening at home where are we getting taken advantage of the most like where is the most profit going back to the store and i also can't stand with stores and i think this is strategic you would know this like kroger they put the the, the milk the eggs everything i need just for a quick hit it is in the back corner of the store so i gotta walk through everything and come back and then i pick up another hundred dollars of food that's all planned right oh 100 yeah yeah and yeah. so where <laughs> is is a consumer what is like like hey just so you know when you buy this at a store they're probably making the
2: highest margins well, they make their highest margins in the hot foods area, hot foods and produce. Produce? But you're not, you're not necessarily getting taken advantage of, but that's where, that's where the highest profit margins are. It's Got not it. in the, the dry, dry goods. Gotcha. Okay. It's not. Interesting. All right. You know, because like my sauce, for example, we have, yeah. it, we have it here, you know, profit margin on, on this is extremely small. But I could sell you a case. I used to sell cantaloupes. That was like uh, one of the one of my biggest movers. Cantaloupes. Yeah. Okay. In a case of cantaloupe, there's nine cantaloupes, right? Okay. You could very easily buy a case of cantaloupe for. I could sell it to you for for ten dollars. Okay. Now you go into the store, and cantaloupes are doing two ninety nine a cantaloupe. Sure. Okay. So three times nine. Twenty seven. Yeah. Okay. Seventeen profit. Yeah. And then it's big you, numbers. And then right? if actually where you're where you're getting taken advantage of is cut fruit oh when they cut it and (laughs)
1: prepackage yeah so pretty much all when it's like five ten bucks for the watermelon to go so it's all the to go things that the margins are being absolutely crushed on all right guys when you're listening right now all the little things they're doing for you to grab and go, that's why it's always at the front of the store. Too. Yes. That's where we're getting hit. So take your own watermelon, go cut it yourself, and you're gonna save some money. We talked a little bit about Sunday Sundays with Joe Sauce. We're gonna get into how he started that, the dollars and, and just the whole entire business. So stay tuned for that. But one thing I wanna make sure we, we get to is the fact that you decided after high school, and I think this is something that you don't talk about often, but we've talked about behind the scenes. After high school, you decide to forego college and you become an equities trader at CME Group. So this is something I don't know that many people know about you, Joe, but I find it fascinating. And when Joe and I talk, usually it's like what investments, what trades are you making? And that's
2: just something you don't talk, you don't talk about this publicly, your background in this often. No, not really. Down about, I don't know, 70% right now. So uh, <laughs> you're
1: like, that's why I don't talk about don't it. Don't really want to talk about but, but it. But what made I'm you, sick? Uh, <laughs> About to puke right now. Yeah,
2: <laughs> what made you forego college and, and go full speed in that world? Okay, so yeah, so I hated school. Okay, really, just just wasn't and I and and you know I regret it, but I just wasn't a good student. So like, what type of grades we talking? I've, I mean, I don't think I brought a book home throughout high school, <laughs> and I was still I was still a C student, but like I was just. I cheated like I just didn't want to be there like, yeah I did not want to be there
1: so you did anything to just get by yeah wait I gotta I'm interrupting but now I'm just very very curious Joe in high school what was Joe in high school like like if some of your
2: best friends or buddies had like what would they say about Joe in high school I would say I'm I'm I'm, I'm similar that I to the person that I am today I was just I guess like just silly like were you like like prom, like prom king no, I went to I went to an all boy high school. Oh, I was to say all the girls definitely wanted you. Uh, no, nah, no, no. I, I didn't really. Uh, you're shy. Yeah, I was I was shyer with with girls for sure. In Did high you school. play sports in high school? Uh, baseball, football, but quit halfway through. Huh.
1: Yeah. I don't know why I'm so, f- I've never had a guest that I want to know what they're like in high school, but something I wanted to know, Joe, I wanted to know. Yeah. All right. So keep going. So you were, did you, were you
2: like a detention suspension guy? Yeah. But not for being bad for just like, like skipping class, skipping class or, or I was a, I talked a lot. So I was always talking and like turning around and talking and having full blown conversations. Gotcha. Okay. When I wasn't supposed to, but nothing like bad. I wasn't like a, like sneak a fifth of captain morgan into and like class. Yeah, i remember in high school kids would take the bic pens
1: and they would take out the ink and then put alcohol in those and they would sell them for like five bucks in school people would be ripping shots in class that was not you you know the guy selling them
2: though no no i i <laughs> i, <laughs> I wasn't no i wasn't bad like that <clears throat> that that was a different that was a different type of kid yeah uh, that was not me but
1: what were we talking about? So school about? wasn't for you. No. you. You knew that. And then you decided against college and then went into trading. And yeah. Tell me about that process. Okay.
2: So my cousins were successful traders at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the CME group, yep. which eventually bought out the Board of Trade. That's why it's called the CME group. Got it. Got it. But it was the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and the Chicago Board of Trade. They were at the Chicago Merc, which was, they had- At the time definitely busier pits the nasdaq pit in 2000 which i was still in high school was like one of the busiest pits i would say in the country
1: so you're saying pits right now a percentage of the people at home might know a percentage might be like what the hell are you talking about we back to grocery store talk pits like
2: explain what a pit is okay so that is open outcry pit trading so it's where locals traders and then you have brokers who work for banks and different firms and hedge funds all trade an index. So I worked in the NASDAQ pit, which was, so you basically are, you're not trading one stock in the NASDAQ, you're trading the NASDAQ as a whole. Got so it. So you're basically buying low, selling high, you see big orders come in from different banks and you try to front run them. Okay, so sell out
1: an index, give someone an example of an index that you would trade. The NASDAQ. Okay. The NASDAQ index. So the NASDAQ yeah. The S&P, index.
2: the S&P index.
1: There you go. So there you go. We'll, well, in the recap, I'll break down exactly what that is, but you're trading that and you're, this is like the scene in these Wall Street movies where it was back in the day, you're yelling at each other, right? Yeah. You're like yeah. calling each other's yes. number and you're handwriting the 30, orders. And those are the-
2: 40, 50,
1: 100. So yes. you're doing the hand signals yes. to make the deal.
2: Yeah. That's what, and how old are you when you're doing this? Young. So, okay. So I'll go back. My cousins were successful traders. And they were young; they were they were in their early thirties. Mm-hmm. And I see this as a kid in high school, fifteen years old. You know, my cousins got a different Mercedes every three months, and like, just like living this. Like, they were going to the south of France for you know summers for like a month. And I and I come from a blue collar family, and like in my neighborhood's blue collar, so really never seen any of this. And I was like, whoa, yeah. Like, don't worry, like you're coming to the Merc when you graduate high school. So I was set. I was like. You tell a fifteen-year-old kid that, like, that's what I'm doing. You're
1: in. What do you think they were making at that time? Like, when you're, did you ever ask them? Like, uh, an, like, can you make a
2: 100, $200, a million? By my, my, my cousin Anthony, who unfortunately passed away of cancer a uh. few years ago, he, Sorry. I think he might have made in like a ten-month period. I would say like eight million dollars. Eight million dollars. Yeah. Guys were making what? I was, I was there. Like I so but not not then i you know when i went there it was still busy so i and he ended up i don't know how he ended up sure, financially sure, sure. um because because you had big losers like i had a day where i had lost in the last three minutes of trading and i basically started with no money built up my account would would make a lot of money would blow it. it I did that kind of consistently I was young didn't really have a value of a dollar kind of lost that. Yeah. had zero fear which made me a physically like a good pit trader. I was very quick but I couldn't handle a loser.
4: Like okay. I couldn't handle
2: it. So if I lost 3000, I would turn 3000 in one day into 25000. When I started making I started trading at 19. Okay. I would say around 20, an average day for me as a trader. And I was I was a little, I was bigger than a small trader because I had gotten pretty big. Average day was like around 2,500 to about 5,000. Okay. And then you have your days where you could, you. I had a day where I made 30 grand. But for me, my losers always, my losers always trump my winners. And what that, was the best day you had as a trader? I think the best Best day, I think I made twenty seven thousand. And the worst day as a trader. Worst day, I lost sixty four thousand. And if I didn't get out where where I got out in the market, that split second, I would have lost well, like in the potentially like a million dollars. that's how shit. Cri- the market was moving, you know, at a rapid pace. And thank God, I, I you know to this day. I still don't know exactly why I got out because I was I was young and stupid. Was this like the 2007-ish type this thing or 2006? two thousand seven ish time? This was two thousand six. This was two thousand seven, two thousand eight. So there, you did this like in the middle of the shit show. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and just because you're you know people think like oh, everybody lost money. No, yeah. traders were you had there was people that would make a million dollars in a day. Just being the right way at the right time, and boom. And this was
1: all your money. You didn't have like people come and fundraise you to do this. You took your dollars, built up
2: the portfolio, yeah. and we're working all these angles. I think I saved like ten thousand. Okay, but the only reason I was able to trade is because my cousin signed the guarantee, basically saying if Joe loses, he'd cover your money. They they have to cover it. Who gave you the ten k? Not a bank. No, I it was my my money. The ten thousand. Oh, okay i'm saying i save the i'm saying and then i start with ten thousand open up an account gotcha through a brokerage firm to open your account yourself. open my account got it okay. Through, okay. through a brokerage firm but the, you would you would need more money but because my cousins guaranteed me and were big traders at the time that was good enough got it
1: okay this form of trading where you guys are doing your signs and
2: stuff in the pit it no longer exists Right, It exists, but to a much smaller extent. I believe there are still, I'm pretty sure, like my pit is no longer there than NASDAQ. I think the S&P might still be there. I I believe there's an S&P option pit. I believe there's some option pits that are still up and running.
1: Okay. We might edit this part out, but I want to just break it down. So if someone is confused, they can kind of understand. S&P 500. You do have, uh, you have an ETF, right? That ETF for anyone listening will just mirror exactly how the S and P five hundred moves. Exactly what were you selling though, and who
2: was the person you were selling to? Just break down the mechanics of that. Yeah. Okay. You, and that's the thing. Like, you're you're selling and buying futures. Okay. And you don't really know. Okay. And you don't know who like other traders are buying. You don't know their positions. But really what you're doing is you're just buying and selling a number. Got it. And if you buy the market when it's at nineteen forty five and you sell it at nineteen forty six, one contract in the NASDAQ was worth a hundred dollars. So you just make a hundred dollars. So that's essentially what you're doing. So and yeah, it, it's 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 hard to explain. I'm not the best at explaining it either. You kind of, it's like one of those things where you kind of have to do it. But so let's say at the price of 1949, mm-hmm. Morgan Stanley has to sell a thousand contracts in the Nasdaq pit. Yep. The market would potentially hold that 49 price. So as a trader in the pit, knowing that mm-hmm. the goal would be. To sell in front of the 49 price. Got it. Because the market will potentially, most likely, the first time, not go through it. Right. So you short it in front of the price. Got it. To then buy a few points lower. Got it. And then what you could do is you lean on the big order, where if it goes through the big order, you buy some of that. You flip your position, you go long, and then you sell the longs at a higher price. Got it. I cannot
1: believe that grocery store Joe, the guy who's got his brand image of slinging watermelons and cantaloupes, has this type of complexity, making 70 grand, lose 70 grand a day at the age of 19. It's wild. I want to give the most basic... So if people didn't follow that, I'm with you on that. But if people didn't follow that, tell me if you think this is a decent example that's like bare bones 101. You look at your gas price right now, right? So you know that gas prices today, let's say it's $4 a gallon and there is a future of $3 a gallon, you can lock up that contract and buy gas at $3 a gallon, not knowing what's going to happen. Gas might go down to two $1 a gallon, but you still own it for three. If you're buying a future contract based on what you think could
2: happen. Yes. Yeah. And, so that's and like you, bare and you bones. Have, yeah. That's bare bones. And by doing that, you the odds are in your favor you're buying it at three and the markets at four sure exactly so if you want to buy the threes and you want to dump it at four there you go you you're just good made money. you just made it or
1: you can hold it and or it you goes up to six and then you just made three x or whatever Correct. it is okay all right so we I, I loved i could talk about the day trading stuff all day i want to just at, end with this because i think people might hear this get interest maybe they want to do it maybe they don't day in the life of a day trader when you were doing
2: it what was the day in the life like like, when'd you wake up? When'd you go to sleep? How long were you sure, working? Sure, yeah, yeah. So the NASDAQ pit opened up, different pits, like the Euro dollars opened up at 7.20 in Chicago, 7.20 a.m. The NASDAQ pit opened up at 8.30. I would take the train into work, so I'd wake up, I would say I would wake up around 7 a.m. I wasn't a coffee drinker, because I was a 21-year-old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and take the train, get into work. I didn't do enough research, which I should have, and that's that's my biggest regret today. Okay. Um. And I kind of just went in there and was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna sling away. Let's go. It was to me, it was a it was a casino. It know? was a smart man's casino. Did you ever
1: hit a big trade at like right when the market opens? You know, you take ten K and leave for the day at like ten o'clock?
2: Or were you there all day just grinding? I would usually grind all day. There was a lot of people that would do that, which left for so many more opportunities. Um, so I I didn't I barely ever did that. I did that once in a while, um, especially when I was trying to recoup after a big loss. So if I did take a big loss where I lost 30 grand and usually majority of my money that I had in my account, uh, I would slowly start taking winners and leaving to build my account back up. Got it. Okay. And then real quickly
1: for the cameras, you got to give us, what are the meanings? Give us three signs that you would do in the pit and what they meant.
2: Okay. So if you're selling, your hand wants to be this way. So you would say so this right here? You're selling. I have big hands. This right here is fifty, okay. And if I'm buying, this is fifty, okay. Okay, and that's that's a fifty. This is seven or this is seventy. This is seven. This is selling at seven. And that's I mean options are different. I never trade. I, I trade a little options now, but sure. not the way they trade them in the pit. There was definitely more signals for that. But as far as I worked, it was buy sell got it would you recommend anybody
1: that's listening to this that now has an interest to get into the trading game
2: uh to try to like trade the market it's it's very very difficult and you really have to do your research and know people who could teach you and i don't i don't even know if it could necessarily i think you could day trade but i don't know too many i know i knew a lot of big traders a lot of successful traders yeah i don't know one of them that could Still, they trade and make money. Wow.
1: Yeah. Crazy. All right. Would you ever get back into it? Like some of those years when you're, you're 19, 20, making hundreds of thousands of dollars Are you, would you ever think about getting back into it or no?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, the reason I left is because I went on a bad run and ended up losing all my money and I just got so burnt out from it. I would, I would, like I trade now, uh, you know, I trade, I trade some small options and I trade in the stock market. I... But really just invest. I, I buy. I'm not like shorting the market. And crypto. I'm in now. Joe, you are a wild man. These are things I didn't know. You hit rock bottom at zero. What do you do
1: next? Is that when you got in the grocery business?
2: That's when I got in the grocery business. That's when my dad looked at me and said, what are you doing? I said, um, I don't know. I'll figure it out. And he said, you'll figure it out. Be up at three in the morning. You're coming to work with me. And that's what your dad did. He was, a gro- he was in the produce. Got it. And I'm glad. You know what? That It was. It sucked. It sucked because i went from making i think my last year as a trader i think i made like 360 grand before i lost all my money and then i started working making like 400 bucks a week working working 10 hours a day six days a week oh it's it was brutal like mentally did that take that had to take a toll it it took a toll and at the time I i remember i was 24 and felt like it was over for me yeah. didn't realize how young i actually was at that time yeah but being that young it is also what saved me just being that resilient yeah and, like and, the same, and, and you realize like i'm still i'm 24 st- yeah, I'm a whole still life got my whole life yeah
1: and think about the lessons you just learned yeah crazy what a wild roller coaster let's end the trading conversation with this uh your two biggest plays right now because i know me and joe i have a little inside information i know he's a trader i know he's investing uh what are your two biggest plays right now
2: and why okay do i have to put the disclaimer that this is not financial let's do yeah
1: this is not a financial advice joe is is not telling you to go buy this this is strictly joe just saying these are the companies he invests in you don't have to follow it but if you want to feel free it's on your dime
2: yeah, I guess this yeah, this is not financial advice and I'm down a lot. Um, <laughs> but I am I'm not in that much. I'm in Bitcoin. I'm in Sandbox, which is the metaverse. I do believe that's the real estate metaverse. Yeah. It's like you okay. Yeah, you could buy uh you could buy property in the Sandbox. And I like DraftKings a lot. I've like taken a bath
1: on DraftKings.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Of course. I will
1: share with you guys in the recap to the penny how much money I've lost in
2: DraftKings. Um, you know, I, I like the gambling ones. I like Penn. I like I like I like DraftKings. I like why? Because I'm thinking downturn, recession, less
1: capital to be spending in it. Or do you think they'll eventually just take over a market which hasn't even been
2: measured yet? Yeah. That. that. Yeah. Sports gambling's massive. It's massive. It's <laughs> like, yeah. Like yeah it's just i just think sports gambling so big what else i like CRISPR, i like teledoc but those are all those are all definitely more risky plays long-term plays so i don't know i but that's that's how i i invest i'm i'm definitely on the very risky side of things i love it all right let's fast forward a little bit from your
1: trading days your grocery store days your rock bottom your selling days you hit you hit reality tv and then you build this massive massive platform and so you have well over a million followers and you now have your brand tell me a little bit about how you started the brand and why you started the brand sundays with joe
2: yeah, Sundays with Joe, I started I started mid-pandemic because you know, after my first run on the shows and Dancing with the Stars, the Dancing with the Stars tour, uh, I was living in LA. Didn't really know what to do with any of it because yeah. it was all... I don't think any of us like really knew because it was all still very it's new. It's kind of new. In 2018, we were still trying to figure it out. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it was still new. And I was like, okay, well, I, I'm in this world now. And once I went on dancing, I basically you know walked away from you shut it down you shut all your ads down what do
1: you what do like you mean? i remember when you went on dance with the stars because you and i would talk a lot about like this whole social media thing and monetization you didn't really do many ads when you went on dance with the stars
2: i didn't yeah i didn't do many ads i felt like i was selling out yeah and selling out to the people that were following me which do you still feel like that i don't feel like that now because anything that anything that i i promote i Use and yeah. or I'm like this is a cool company I, I I like this yeah I'm not going to post an ad for something that I would never use yeah 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 I you know respect, or something yeah, that, I, that I or yeah. I think it's like will harm you or bad for you sure but yeah I don't know I I, I kind of regret that yeah because I, I probably let a lot of money go yeah yeah I don't know I I kind of regret it but whatever but Dancing with the Stars of all the shows
1: Dancing with the Stars I don't want I don't want to get in specifics or have contract issues you make enough on the tour and in the show that you don't, earning other additional income,
2: you're not focused on that. You're not focused on it, but you should prep for the downtime because, so the initial question was- (laughs) The sun is a joke. About the sauce. And yeah, I had left LA out of my relationship, living in Chicago, moved there thinking maybe I'll open up a pizza place. It was kind of the idea or a beef stand. Okay. Pandemic hit, I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. One thing I was comfortable with now and enjoying was like hosting and being in front of the camera. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if this is ever gonna work, but let me start messing around doing food videos. It's what I like. I know the restaurant industry. I love going to restaurants. Let me just have fun with this. As I was doing it, I'm like, how am I gonna monetize? How am I gonna make money? Yeah. My partner in Sundays with Joe owns a big distribution company in Chicago distributes to all around the country and we were talking and he's like i i like your videos why don't we figure something out cool and then i was like i, I don't know if i'm gonna grow on youtube or not i think it's gonna take a very long time uh, kind of came we, youtube is so hard so hard <laughs> it's the hardest we came across i was like well what about a product and we worked out this sauce i had a recipe Workshopped it a little bit. Obviously, you know you, these things have to be manufactured and, and totally. And but it's all like it's cooked in a like a, it's kettle cooked and
1: yeah. So uh-huh. when you so you, you get the deal. How much did you have to invest in a company like this to start? It? Like someone someone says they have the best sauce out there. Or they have the best product. What do you what do you have to look at to invest
2: and in, like create something like this uh, to get it going? It depends. It, it, like, it depends on how how you're getting it done. It could cost anywhere from, I would say, minimum 10 grand to who knows? I mean, depending on how you're doing it, really. I mean, it could cost, okay. if you're doing everything yourself, I mean, yeah. it may be costing the hundreds of thousands. So, from idea
1: generation to getting this right here and us tasting it, how long does that take? Six months, three months, a year, that, two years?
2: That took us idea to like when you, I think that took us, four months four months which is pretty quick
1: okay so someone out there you want to get something into a can or some sort you got a recipe four months minimum of 10 grand you're thinking you have to have some type of distributor relationship or manufacturer right yeah and that came through the guy that you partnered with right so you have you cannot do this unless you're tied in with a manufacturer one tip if someone back home thinks they have an idea they want to do it they have the 10
2: grand one tip for someone to get connected with the manufacturer what would it be I don't know because I had the relationship, so I I would I wouldn't answer that, and I wouldn't know how to answer that. Find I, someone in the I, space. I would say I would say if you're looking, probably LinkedIn. Yeah,
1: look, like literally type in like manufacturing yeah. uh, reps, managers. Yeah. Get connected with someone. Then how your products made? You got a ton of these. How do you get them on the shelves of
2: supermarkets? Uh, that's, you know, and I'm going through that now. We just got into a bigger chain in Chicago. You know, if you follow me, you've seen it on my page, but Mariano's we're in now. You have to, obviously you have to get a meeting, you have to show your product, they have to taste your product, and then you kind of have to give them a reason. Yeah, a a reason (laughs) it is, and a reason why it's going to move. You know, I'm lucky enough to have a social platform, you know, thankfully from the show. So stores see that and like, okay, well, we have- like I think stores have now realized they have to embrace social media mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's the new um, way of marketing. Yeah, it's influencing. Um, right? So because of that, like having that platform helps immensely.
1: Got it. So yeah, yeah got to have a good product. You got to get with the right buyers. The buyers taste it, then they like your product. How does it work when your product is on a grocery store shelf? Do they buy it all up front? Do you get paid per unit that sells? Like how does that whole business work?
2: Uh yeah, so it it depends on the chain and how how the store how the store wants to do it. But yeah, they could usually smaller smaller stores may do um on what is it? On on credit, whatever. But like bigger stores, they'll pay up front. Okay. And they will depending on like if you're on their local rack, if you're on the shelves, if they're doing end caps. So like an end cap is where you wanna be in a grocery store. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Because that's what people see. They walk past it, it's it's the front of the aisle. Do you have to pay to get the end cap position?
1: Or do you have to like sell them on why it should be on the end cap?
2: Yeah, you have to sell them on why you- Got it. If you're paying under the table for that, I don't know if that happens, okay. but that wouldn't be uh, ethical. Got it, okay. But yeah, if you uh, depending on like how you're gonna promote it on your end, like so for me, we're go I'm going to Chicago in a few weeks, going to the Mariano's, and we're in a store called Woodman's. Now Woodman's is going to give us end caps, and they are really promoting it. So I'm going to the stores. I'm gonna demo the sauce myself. Gotcha. Um, And I'm gonna promote it. I love it. And what does it sell for? That depending on depending on the stores. Right now, we're selling online two for. Uh, I should fucking know this because <laughs> I actually put those. Uh, those go for uh, two for seventeen ninety nine. And what's yeah. the web? Where can like someone wants to try your sauce
1: right now? What what website? They uh
2: Sundays with Joe Sundays with
1: Joe.com. Two for okay. Two for how much? Two six. How much did you say? Uh, seventeen ninety nine. Seventeen ninety nine. I love it. And you said it's kettle cooked. What does that mean? just it's it's cooked in like a a kettle so it's it's not in like a big like manufacturing plant pot it's like legitimate love it okay and what's the plan what's so you got sundays with joe do you have like a goal of how many units you want to sell or like do you want to end up selling this or starting a company like what's the plan with the sauce
2: my plan is is you know i want i want rebuys in the stores that we're in i want to prove that we are selling in the stores that we are currently in and to just keep expanding from store to store to store and not really focus on you know it's not right now for me it's not about like how much money are we making what are we making are we making money it's really just about growing it and getting into as many stores as possible that is awesome
1: all right so you got the food you got the sauce you had trading you now have this other aspect of your income and potential career plan which is like this media entertainment space so you're on all those shows you do the tour what like what's your and this is such a conversation all of us have after the show it's like where do you take it next like do you still want to do hosting i know do you ever think about acting do you ever consider? You know, you have this podcast now. Do you want to continue doing the podcast? Like, what's your take on your career development within this like media and entertainment
2: space? Well, if you're listening and you saw my Maybelline commercial, you, you
1: <laughs> would know. You would know that, that this that is fucking I'm George Clooney two Look it up. I
2: definitely have chops. <laughs> well, what was your um, line
1: there? You had like one line, right? Um, what was it?
2: Ready, babe. Ready, ready babe. babe. You yeah, killed it. Too. I did. I was, was like I, Matthew McConaughey, smooth. I would love to, you know, I, I've been hosting clickbait, a Bachelor Nation podcast for, I think we're going on over two years now, but I I would love to stay in like that hosting space, definitely the food world. And yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what I'm going to try to keep pushing and, and get into that space as much as I could. Best part and worst part about podcasting. Best part about podcasting is I enjoy talking. And then, worst part is, I realize I enjoy talking too much. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, no, uh, worst part, you know, we podcast over Zoom, which is how we have to do it because we're all in different places in the world. Yeah, but there is something about talking to somebody in person which makes it just a little better fun. than the Zoom stuff. Yeah, just a little smoother. With the so you've been, it's 2018,
1: five years later, still connected to the franchise do you foresee yourself continuing to wanting to be like more part of it like be on other shows with bachelor like will you do another show like do you have a outlook for that or you just like we'll see what happens type thing
2: yeah like i you know i have a i have a great relationship with the show yeah um and i think we're both on the same page where it's like hey you know bite the hand that fed you. hell yeah like we people know us from the bachelor franchise that's it Um, so yeah like i yeah like i don't know i don't know if if there was uh, more opportunities within the show sure i would i would 100 yeah at least consider them i'm not somebody that would ever just be like i'm like there's a lot of people from our world that's just like i'm done with the show yeah 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 yeah. which hey if you want to be done with the show be done whatever be done with it yeah um but yeah i mean i would always be open to different opportunities that's awesome well,
1: that's, that's a wild track you got do you feel that you gravitate towards one thing or the other like do you feel like the food and sauce thing is really your passion and then you know the podcasting and you know media stuff you're there for it or do you like w- where does your passion lie if you like analyze it
2: uh my passion is i would say in the food space but i do really enjoy i really do enjoy being in front of the camera i've, yeah. I've come to i've come to really like it yeah and and podcasting and hosting like i i enjoy i enjoy this stuff this i have a lot yeah. of fun doing this
1: i think you marry the two if you could do some type of like hosting for food stuff you already did on youtube you crushed it i think you'd be a natural at that
2: yeah yeah and i have do you like
1: talk to I, agents to i haven't i have an,
2: i have i signed with an agency not too long ago i have a a, a really good manager so I'm trying to figure things out all right
1: let's play a little game here We'll do like i'm curious where you can make more money could you make more money trading in the pit or with your social media
2: like back then or now yeah like back then well, back
1: I, then in the heyday versus like your heyday now in social media Which
2: oh one? oh heyday trading in the markets not, like not even all, close not
1: even close not even close do you think the social media monetization at the rate it's at now like in three five years do you think it'll remain the same like what's your take on that
2: i i don't know you know because we look at like how many people watch the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. And then you look at certain influencers and see the numbers they get on a real. It's crazy. And they're the same. Isn't it? So, nuts? I don't know. I, I think I think it's actually probably just gonna keep growing. Interesting. Do
1: you do do you put any time into like TikTok or YouTube or the other ones? Are you mostly focused on Instagram?
2: Well, my biggest following's Instagram, but I tweet and I I do TikToks once in a while. TikTok is just, yeah, I I just, I don't know. I don't really care that as much. I don't really, you know, I just kind of always try to stay true to who I am on all social media sites. So that comes with me like, yeah, if I feel like doing something in the moment, I'll do it. I love it. Okay. There you go. All
1: right, Joe. Next step, what type of, uh, when are you going to those um, those stores that people can come see you and buy your sauce? Yes,
2: yeah, so I will be in Chicago going to Woodman's and Mariano's to all the different stores. I think I get in September 15th through like the 21st. Okay. There you go. Go check it out. We had Jill Zarin on from Real Housewives. She
1: has a big rug collection. There was a TJ Maxx buyer out there listening and they're working on getting all her rugs in TJ Maxx. So if you guys out there, anybody, know, any grocery owners that are in the buying division, reach out to Joe. Let's get Sundays with Joe on every single shelf. Joe, five years from now, what's it looking like? What are you doing? What is your main career when we've podcast in five years from now i sit down joe joe is crushing it in what take a shot
2: uh on my own food show
1: got his own food show (laughs) put it out there baby let's go all right we got to end with a trading secret so a trading secret is career advice money advice sounds like you've gone through a lot of that uh life advice a trading secret you can't get in a textbook you can't google you can't read in a book only from joe Grocery store, Joe, you got to leave us with a trading secret. What would it be?
2: Embrace your uncomfortable moments. That's where you learn the most. I like that. I like that. Mm. Good words of Philosophical,
1: Philosophical <laughs> deep. Would you say your most uncomfortable moment was at 24 when
2: you lost every dollar? Yeah, that sucked. That that was, that. I, I wouldn't consider that uncomfortable. That was just a, a rock, not rock bottom, but just like a really, a low. When I say uncomfortable, I mean like, bachelor first night uncomfortable (laughs) last question before we wrap up bachelor
1: bachelor in paradise dancing with the stars which in correlation with your training secret which was the most uncomfortable and why
2: uh okay oh, the bachelorette the night by a long um, shot yeah well you i remember
1: you saying oh how actually difficult no, no dancing I, with the stars was.
2: actually no yeah no dancing with the stars like Dance, the pressure of it the, right? the pressure of dancing on stage especially <laughs> the first thing i mean they, it never really got easier for me but the first night was was the most uncomfortable hardest thing i ever did
1: Ever in your life? Yeah. The first night I Dance with Stars. And I remember when you told me that, I was like, dude, just have a couple shots. And you're, and there was like a few weeks later, you're like, I tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> no. Shots don't solve no. those nerves.
2: I was too nervous. I was too nervous. Yeah, but wouldn't the shots help that? Take a couple shots? Uh, but then you forget your dance routine. Yeah, the shots, I mean, they, you know, when you're nervous, you're nervous. And it was just so, you know, it's so intense
1: yeah i mean Sometimes. one foot placement it's a lot i don't know if i could deal with it well joe you've had an unbelievable career track it's been so much fun to to watch from a distance and see everything you're doing and even learn things about you i had no idea about today so thank you for being here with us where can people find everything promote the podcast the sauce where can people find all the things you have going on
2: yeah sauce is sundayswithjoe.com or right in a bunch of stores in the chicago land area with go puff too, in chicago if you want to get it delivered social media joe mobley one on instagram a joe on twitter uh podcast clickbait with bn or clickbait bn on instagram yeah
1: I love it. I could have asked you a million more questions, but we've taken up enough time. Joe, thank you so much for being here. We are going to give, uh, we're going to buy 10 bottles of the sauce and give them away. So go put your review, give us five stars, let us know what you thought, what other guests you'd like us to have and put your Instagram handle. 10 of you guys are going to get Sundays with Joe sauce. And I'm going to spicy marinara because that is my favorite. Joe, thank you so much for being on Train Secrets.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me.
1: We are back with the trading secrets with the viewer segment and today I'm so excited about it. We are hitting the pharmacy world. That's an industry we haven't touched and we have Kristen here to help us out. Kristen, how are you doing today?
4: I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So you're a current active pharmacist. You just even put in a shift this weekend you said before we started recording.
4: Yep, yeah. I I work about yeah, you know, I'm a full-time pharmacist in a retail store, a so large retail chain. And um yeah, just did two twelve hours back to back this week. God
1: bless you. I, we were talking about when I did uh target internship, I had to spend a couple days in the pharmacy and your Work is unbelievable. It's so detail oriented. You have to be so focused. I was like, you know, my ADD in that little pharmacy area was going nuts. I was like, I got to get out of here. But (laughs) let's get into the pharmacy world. How many um, years of education do you have to get to be a pharmacist?
4: So the actual pharmacy schooling is generally four years. So I actually went and got my bachelor's. I uh, went to Niagara University, Niagara Falls. So I have a bachelor' degree in biology, and then the school that I went to is in Hartford, Connecticut. So it's a accelerated program. So I did my pharmacy school in three years year round rather than like a four year program that would be normal, you know, fall, spring semesters. But generally pharmacists, it's six to eight years, depending on if you fast track it or not.
1: Okay. Shout out to Niagara University. Love to hear that. That was right around the corner from where I grew up. you yeah. Bills fan?
4: I'm a Bills fan for sure. It's Go Bills tonight,
1: Monday Night Football. Go Bills. You got to love it. Okay. <laughs> so, pharmacy school, four years plus two plus another two. So, about six to eight. How much debt did you have to take on student debt to become a pharmacist?
4: So, just for pharmacy school, I graduated with $185,000 in student loan debt oh. just for pharmacy. Oh. Um, so my my parents helped me with my undergraduate degree, so that was covered. But they were cut off after that. Um, so you know, most people have their undergraduate and their pharmacy debt. I had 185 just for pharmacy school. So
1: just for pharmacy school, if you had your undergrad debt, I'd assume that's around like 250k. Yeah,
4: I mean, it was it was about 35 a year. So yeah.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. So even more about 300k mark. Other pharmacists within your industry, the, you, know, you had 185 just pharmacy school, but 300 all in. Is that student debt level comparative to some of your peers who are also pharmacists?
4: I would say yes. So you know, not everybody has parents that can help them out or they take out loans for everything. And um, I think the the hardest part to kind of grasp is for a lot of graduate or doctorate programs because pharmacy is a doctor of pharmacy. So we come out with a doctorate And a lot of those programs, you don't have the ability to get income-based loans or subsidized loans. So your rates might be higher and your interest starts to accrue as soon as you take that loan out. So when you come out of school, you know, it's already (laughs) ready to get paid off.
1: Oh, my God. That's it's intense, especially now with interest rates moving the way they are. I think about, you know, when you got out, your interest rate was probably a little lower, but now it's even so much higher. So the debt will accumulate at a much drastic uh, pace for those that are just graduating. Let me ask you this. What was it about pharmacy that made you say this is the answer? This is what I want to do
4: most people kind of decide later in life. And when I was in seventh grade, Perdonia middle school required that we job shadow someone for careers class. And I um, job shadowed a pharmacist at a local Rite Aid. It was my friend's mom. And I just loved what she did and having, you know, you're helping so many people and we're the first point of contact for most people. Cause you can't just walk into your doctor's office and ask questions. And I decided in seventh grade, that's what I wanted to do. And Here I am many, many years later.
1: I love it. Shout out again to Fredonia right down the road from Buffalo, New York. I used to spend some time there. had an ex-girlfriend who went there. Sonny's. We used to party. Good times. This world is smaller (laughs) than you know, Kristen. Okay. So let's get back to it though. You graduate pharmacy school, 185k debt for yourself. How much can you start making as a pharmacist right out of school?
4: Um, So when I graduated, the starting rate for retail pharmacist in the area. So I was in Hartford, Connecticut at the time. Um, I started at $56 an hour. So it ended up being about $116,000 a year as a 25-year-old straight out of college. Um, And I thought I was like making so much money. I felt so great. Um, But then, you know, three months later, they give you three months to, you know, get your life together. And then the, the student loan bill comes and my first bill was $2,400 a month for my first student loan payment.
1: Oh, I mean, first of all, <laughs> congratulations on getting place where you got placed. Fifty six bucks an hour when you're 25 is amazing, but yeah. my gosh, when again, when you're at that like 120k mark, right? And let's just for simple math, let's say you got 70k after taxes. 2400 a month gets aggressive quick when it comes to paying down yeah. the student debt. <laughs> when you get signed as a pharmacist right out of school. Is it like some of these investment banking or consulting jobs where they'll offer signing bonuses?
4: Yes and no. When I graduated, no, because the market is still saturated and it was very saturated when I graduated. So a lot of pharmacy schools opened up um, in the last you know, 15 years because there was a shortage. And so at one point they were handing out BMWs as sign-ons to pharmacists. And stuff. Stop it.
1: That yeah. was a thing, huh?
4: Was, it used to be a thing. So you used to get an actual brand new car when I graduated, there was a surplus of pharmacists, so there's no sign-on bonuses. There's you know, just normal benefits that a, a corporation offers and then your pay. Um, now, there is shortages in certain areas of the country. So there are certain parts of the country that you can go sign on with one of the big retail chains, and they'll give you a $100,000 bonus to stay with them for two years. Currently, right now.
1: Right now. What parts right. of the country are those?
4: Um, the ones I've seen recently have been Indiana, um, a lot of really rural areas where they just can't get people to to move or get to, or the you know the working conditions really maybe aren't the best in those areas, and so they're they're desperate. <laughs>
1: This is so fast. This is why I love this shit. It's so cool to learn about different industries and jobs I would have never otherwise known. I always like as a kid, I was always obsessed with career day because I was like, "What? What? Who's, who's dad does what and what can you do? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is fascinating. When you get out of school from pharmacy school, you said you work in a big retail uh, chain. And I'm assuming, you know, I did my internship at Target. Is that usually the the play for someone coming out of school do you want to land at like the Walgreens this you know the CVS the Targets or is there a different track that most pharmacists take
4: so when you're in pharmacy school you spend many many hours like thousand, I think it's like 1600 hours minimal doing rotations and that's where you can figure out what track of pharmacy you want to go with so you know everyone thinks retail pharmacy because that's where you see pharmacists the most like the general public but there's Hospital clinical, people work in nursing homes, long-term care um, in the ER, on the floors in hospitals in doctor's offices. Like pharmacists work with drug control and the DEA and in industry, like working for the big pharma companies. So there's so many different routes. And so when you do your rotations, you decide like which route do I want to go? Retail is going to have like the most number positions most likely, or hospital, and there's um, you can go and get internships and rotations and you can do fellowships and all that stuff when you graduate, if you want to advance higher and higher, but retail is probably the the easiest to get into just because there's so many positions and they're everywhere.
1: Got it. Easiest to get into. Would you say, is it the most lucrative? Like, is it the most, is that the play um, you want to make?
4: I would say initially as a new grad, you're going to probably get paid the most going into retail just because we have not ideal hours you have a high stress load dealing with the public customer service stuff like that, or some of the other positions you don't have to deal with. Those types of things, so you may not get paid as much at the beginning, but there's more chances for advancement, sometimes like people that work in medical science liaisons or working with big pharma they they're making a lot of money It just might take a little bit longer.
1: Gotcha. Fascinating. Yeah. I remember when we were at, uh, when I was working at Target and we would have like the team huddles, the, the lead of the pharmacist was in charge of so much more than just being a pharmacist. Like they were actively monitoring, um, you know, uh, the survey results and are they making sure they ask the client to take the survey? Are Mm -hmm. they uh, trying to also like even some of the people that were in the register also pitch the credit card? Uh, Mm -hmm. Speed, um, they're monitoring exactly how many clients come in per day. They're asking them and watching over the cameras. Are the pharmacists or the staff of the pharmacy working the aisles? That's closest because they say that the people that Come in and use the pharmacy. Have uh, spend the most dollar per head than anybody in the store. So to me, it was wild to see. Not only are you pharmacists in retail, you're also a business operator. Do you agree with that?
4: Yeah, yeah. So where where I work, um, they tell us to like kind of own your business. So even though I work for a really large corporation, it's my store. I'm a pharmacy manager, so I oversee my entire store. So I oversee my staff pharmacists, my technicians. I'm in charge of hiring. Um, In charge of making sure inventory stays well, payroll, we're not going over budget, um, all of those things. So it it is, you know, you, you are kind of running your own business, even though you're overseen by, you know, much larger corporation.
1: Got it. I love it. Okay, a few more questions, and then we're gonna wrap here. So you come out of school around the one hundred sixteen thousand dollars mark in the business space. I know and talk a lot about how you can grow your career and how you can get advances. How, as a pharmacist, do you get paid more? Is it years? Do you leave and try to go to another retailer? Like, how do you grow your career? And and what is the earning potential like when you look at your career today and down the road?
4: Yeah. So typically, you know, you start off as a staff pharmacist, and so if you want to advance your career. You maybe become a pharmacy manager, which gives you a couple dollars an hour raise. Or if you transfer um, from a store that's low volume to no higher volume, you may get a you know dollar or two more an hour just because you're taking on more at a busier store. That's just in the retail setting. Uh, you know, there's other management options within retail that you can get into. And then you're talking about bonus potential for stuff like that, and everything's kind of based on metrics. So if you're if you're hitting your goals for script sales or you know, flu shots or whatever it may be, then you can get bonuses off of that. Um, you know, different patient care metrics and are we counseling and stuff like that. Um, but I would say the biggest way to grow your income is, you know, become a pharmacy manager um, and then have a busier store that's gonna give you the, the most money in a retail setting. But, you know, all these other options you can go through hospital, there's just so many different tracks you can take. There's like hundreds within the pharmacy career.
1: Yeah, it is wild and it does a lot of things, you know, no matter what your industry is, it does come down to business. I even remember at Target, right? The the leader, the the pharmacy manager of that store had a district pharmacy leader who managed like 10 stores and then they had a national pharmacy manager. Those people were all pharmacists at some point. Now yeah. they're not pharmacists, they're executives managing the dollar amounts of scripts and how many scripts are sold and things like that. And I'm sure at that level, especially at the executive level of like a Target, they're making millions uh, yeah, they with bonus opportunities. <laughs> A lot of money yeah and that's the other thing too the misconception of retail i remember our store leader you would think like oh you manage a target right i, I thought at least it's like dumbass jason 16 years old you can't make money in that those those people managing targets and walmarts are making two yeah. three four hundred five hundred thousand oh, yeah. plus basis on bonuses it's nuts mm-hmm. um yeah. crazy okay the i got two last questions for you and we're gonna wrap it up the, the second last question i got for you is uh as a consumer Consumers that go to pharmacists, I use a pharmacy all the time. Things that you would say like give a consumer the number one tip when they go to the pharmacy, either be aware of or think through or maybe ask or consider what would you give what's well, a pharmacy trading secret for a consumer?
4: I would say that just realize that you have to have a little patience. Pharmacists are pulled a million directions, and when someone walks up to our consultation window, we want to help them that's why we're pharmacists, but we may have two doctor phone lines or we may have, you know, three other waiters in the store that we have to check their prescription first. Um, so just give us a second. We'll get over and we'll help you the best we can. But just be patient. I, I think like in the last few years, the way that people have treated each other has really gone down and it's it's sometimes hard to deal with when you're seeing that all the time. But Just be nice and be patient, and we want to help you, and we'll get to you as soon as we can.
1: Be nice, be patient. If someone does have a question for a pharmacist, would you say the best thing to do is to walk in or call?
4: Um, either, or, I mean, sometimes the phone lines, if we're really busy, we're not going to answer them as quick, but you know, either will work. We have a consultation window. You just walk right up and we'll, we'll help you as soon as we can.
1: And what is the lowest time of foot traffic at a pharmacy? If I'm trying to strategically map out. Lowest time of foot
4: traffic, come at night after, after the dinner rush. So like maybe seven to nine.
1: Seven to nine. There you go. Last question. This career track started at 116K. There's a ton of upside. That was at 25, but you did take on a lot of student debt. And at times, you're standing for 12 hours a shift. Would you recommend this to someone uh, that might be pursuing the career now that you're in it? And if so, what's the biggest biggest advice you'd give them?
4: So I would still recommend being a pharmacist. I do love what I do. The days go by really fast because we're busy and you're on your feet and you're moving. I would suggest that really try to get an internship or shadow a pharmacist, shadow different careers within pharmacy and decide if that's something you really want. Um, Because when you do come out, you're going to have a lot of debt unless you're you're lucky and it has to get paid down and it's not easy. You know, you can refinance and, and all those things, but. Uh, make sure that you really enjoy it because it's not, it's not necessarily for the money. We do have a good income, but you have to enjoy what you do or or your work is gonna be miserable.
1: I love it. It's great advice. Kristen, congratulations on all your success and thank you for opening up the vault to the the pharmacy world industry and lifestyle.
4: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell with the one, the only, the Curious Canadian. And today was a really cool episode. We had grocery store Joe. We had our viewer come on, the pharmacist. But David, I know you're going to have so many thoughts about the Joe podcast. I just know you well enough because that was so much action. And this was a side of Joe that no one has seen, that no one has interviewed him on. So I am so excited to get your thoughts. What do you think in Curious Canadian?
3: Yeah, it was awesome. I felt like everyone who is listening is going to come for the Joe that they know and leave feeling very satisfied for getting to know parts about him that I personally had no clue about. I know you didn't with a lot of the stuff. So he was great shooting from the hip, not prepared, didn't want to see the questions before, um, had some really cool stories. Before we get into it, I'm curious, do you think if he doesn't get labeled grocery store Joe, if that isn't his brand, do you think any of this happens? 100%. 100%. Yeah,
1: I mean, it wasn't the labeling of grocery store Joe that made Joe so successful. It was his likability, relatability, true authenticity that people went off on. I'll tell you this, though. What really helped Joe... I mean, Joe's Joe, so you can't sustain... This is five years later, and Joe's killing it. You can't sustain the success in this social media platform without having something special. But his hometown package... When he uh, when they did his hometown package for the season I was on was unbelievable and it, people went off
3: with it when they showed him in the grocery store and working the watermelons and this and that it was amazing. So not to get too deep into that, does everyone get a hometown package and they just choose like oh we're going to show these eight or do you know how people get chosen for that?
1: I'm actually really glad you brought this up because it's something we don't really talk about often. And, and the short answer is I don't know. Um, but I know that what we, and this is not confidential, don't come at me ABC, but I know that like we is contestants, we would talk like who got the home, like we'd be like, did they come to your hometown? Did they come to your hometown? They didn't do a hometown package with me. Uh, we almost did one where Rob was going to be part of it, but it didn't work out. But I always felt like the people that got the hometown package, or at least I heard they got it, I was like, wow, I'm so behind them. So I, I don't know what makes them decide it. Only they could tell you, but I did feel like I was behind because all these people got hometown packages.
3: Well, I think regardless, Joe is probably the contestant that has the most unique experience and path. I don't think anyone has gotten removed night one and has 1 million followers. Unbelievable. But Learned so much about him and his story and some of his work experiences that are way over my head. <laughs> so we're going to get the Webster Dictionary out, and uh, I should call it the Jason Tardig Dictionary out, and and help me and the people out out there. So first things first, he talked about being an equities trader. Now, this may seem super basic, but we've had day traders on. Shout out Hugh Henney. Is there a difference between an equity trader and a day trader, or are those two the exact same thing, just different ways of saying it? An equity trader is a trader
1: that is taking uh, some type of position in like an equity security, like a stock, right? The, there's only really four types of traders. There's scalpers, there are day traders like Hugh Henney, there's swing traders, and then there are position traders. Those are like the four types of trading. What they're trading within those can be all over the map, all different asset classes. Equities are are just an asset class. So there are day traders who trade equities. There are day traders who trade foreign exchange. Foreign exchange would be like they trade the yen and they trade different currencies. There are day traders that trade literally commodities like the price of corn. So corn, equities, uh, Apple, the stock, those are all different assets. The type of traders are based on like their activity in the timeline. So that's like the difference. So a day trader, you're, tr- you're, you're executing transactions intraday, like Joe was. You're selling and buying all in one day. And like a swing trader, which we talked about, is someone who's doing it over like the course of three weeks. I buy fi- Facebook today. I sell it in a week from now. Or I sell it in two days. So it's just based on the timeline of when you're executing. Like a positions trader is someone who holds a position for the long run and like takes the appreciation of the asset and that's their value. Like real estate. If I buy real estate and hold it for 10 years, I'm a positions trader. Does that make sense?
3: It does. I, I, I almost got into currency trading after I graduated, which I'm glad I didn't. Wait, 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 wait. You,
1: wait a second! You almost got into currency trading.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. What it's, do you mean you I've, almost got into currency trading? You met my buddy John. Yeah. Like, oh no, you. Did. Oh yeah, you know I my did. buddy I met John. Oh, he yeah, does. I met John. Yeah, he does uh, currency <laughs> trading, and he did really well. And I we used to go visit him in Vancouver every summer, and he was crushing it. What, he was like, "Come work for me." And what currency like, okay. were you gonna trade? I don't know. I was going to find out when I, when I went okay, there. Okay. okay. So he was going to like bring you on, teach you and everything like
1: that. But you weren't like, mm. you weren't trained on currency trading.
3: Oh gosh, no. You, oh. you know my business administration what... Geneseo degree. I don't think they have <laughs> currency trading in the uh, syllabus. It's not, dude. They don't, even talk, they don't even teach what a currency is in the business school at Geneseo. <laughs> All right. Here's some things. Shout out Geneseo. Still love you. Love you. Uh, here's some things that he did say that if you're getting a business degree, you should know. I don't fully know i know some but the people at home may not know all of them i'm gonna say some some words at you okay and i'm not gonna ask you to define all of them okay but when he started talking about his pit trading experience which sounded like the most intense environment of all time right in about a three sentence spree he said the words brokers firms hedge funds index buy low sell high big orders coming in from bank front run lean on big order flip the positions Short, long, trade options. Just the jargon. I mean, that is jargon 101. I don't know which one of these you wanted me to define or you to define. I'm not going to define them. I know we've touched on some. What are you thinking?
1: All uh, right, here's one th- That was a lot. You just threw a lot out there. I felt like I was just in like a business meeting for a second. Uh, pick three of them. Let's say just pick any three of those. What are you drinking okay. over there? Are you drinking a uh, whiskey coffee. coke? I'm I'm juiced up for this oh, one. Glass recap. It's Last recap, I was struggling. last recap. You were like, I don't know what you're on, but you're back. All right. I'm the back. guy's fired up. Pick three of those
3: that we can get going. Let's start with index because I feel like you wanted to do, you wanted to do that because you mentioned it in the uh, in the episode. Yep. Um, so just touch on index quick. Okay, simple. Measures a subset of a market. That's like the quick definition. So the
1: SPY is an index that measures the entire S&P 500. So you buy SPY, you can go buy it on Robinhood or buy it on Magnify or go buy it on any trading app. And literally that will mirror what the S&P 500 does. Now there are different indexes. Like you can by an index for the entire tech industry and that index will follow that subset that group the successor failures of the tech industry so that's an index does that make sense
3: yes it does actually really yeah it was really good boom uh what what about um front run. I think the exact way that he used it was when he was on the pit trading floor, big orders would come in from the bank and you would try and front run them. Okay. What does that mean?
1: So so he's giving you examples there. So a big order comes in from the bank. So does the market know that? Do the people know what's going on? No, but he's seeing the bank do it. So essentially what he's doing is he's getting inside knowledge, inside information on a transaction that will have an impact on the future price. So because he's, Seeing it quickly he can make a move because he's seeing it before the entire market jason and david at home would see it
3: is he seeing it because he's on the floor that's how he's seeing it
1: exactly he has he's just in it's like it's like imagine let's talk football because football's on right now let's say tom brady's gonna get traded right and the agent's admin is in the meeting the agent's admin He's not doing the deal or whatever. He just schedules the agent's schedule, but he's there and he hears Tom Brady's getting traded. He knows before we know at home, David and Jason. So let's say he can get Tom Brady off of his fantasy football, if that makes
3: sense. Yes, it does make sense. And the last one that I have is he talked about in the grocery game, he had to flip from being a buyer and seller. He talked about it as as an equities trader, flipping the positions when you talk about being a buyer and seller flipping positions, are there different industries? I'm curious, can you give us some, some examples of different industries where you can go from flipping from a buyer to a seller?
1: Well, I think the big thing with flipping position is, so there's a thing, uh, it's called uh, reversal strategy in trading. And it's 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 reversing your strategy based on what's happening with technicals. I'm going to give you an example, like when I think, and, and I'm staying out of politics right now, but like when I think this is just my opinion on this specific Individual and individuals aligned with uh, politics, a flip strategy, a flip position is what like Nancy Pelosi reminds me of, right? Like she will have a position in something. Let's say it's chip making, it's a company that does chip making. She will have a position in that because she knows a big bill is going to be signed in which the government is going to fund that industry or company. So she'll own the position, which is public, and then uh, she'll it will take off. Now her flip position will be she'll know immediately when the funding period will end. Or when they're going to cut off that funding. So she would quickly flip the position and sell that company, knowing that something is going to happen, which will reduce their overall income position. So, flip strategy, reversal strategy, it's you're moving one way, but then immediately taking a different position because of some information you've read or have.
3: That makes, that does make sense. Right. Nancy Pelosi picks, she's, isn't she like the highest? Mo- performing stock portfolio in the world? There's a
1: lot of theories out there that if there's a few politicians, because they have to make their trades public, there's a few politicians, if you follow their moves, you'll outperform anybody. What's crazy is I just did this analysis, Jim Cramer, right, from CNBC. Jim Cramer's picks are like, if this this analyst just went through all of his picks. They're awful. They're performing (laughs) at like, if you shorted, Every single decision that Jim Cramer told you to pick, pick in the last year, you would have returned like
3: 18%. Speaking of flipping positions, he did flip positions himself, Joe did, from a pit trader to a grocery store worker making 360 k in his last year, obviously losing more than that, and that's why he left, to making $400 a week at 24 years old, working six days a week. He got out of it because he had his worst performing day of six as of $64,000. And as he said, he was a millisecond away from what he feels like losing a million dollars. You brought up DraftKings. He's Well, he brought up DraftKings. He said that he loves DraftKings, which I know you and I have talked a lot about. Shout out Ben Rosen. You said you were going to give the people a to-the-penny analysis of how much you've lost in DraftKings, which we like to sports gamble. And side note, Jason, I would love, love, as we know, we have... Been manifesting a sports gambling podcast with us, I think Joe would be a great like co-host in that space since he believes in it. He's got the podcast experience. He's got he's in it. So give the people at home the to the penny of DraftKings.
1: Oh man. Okay. So I'm just going through the cause just for time standpoint, I didn't come prepared with this because I forgot we That's recorded fine. that. But I did just sign into my Fidelity app. So this is how much I've lost with only the positions we own, o- only positions I own. So in this one portfolio, I'm down $18,084 and 90 cents. So I'm down 69.86% in that portfolio on DraftKings. Let's see if wow. I have DraftKings in this portfolio. I think I did, but I think I sold it. Oh man, Marcus just getting fucking clobbered.
3: Um, you're so getting think, a live reaction at home of uh, Jason yeah, Target looking at his portfolio for the first day and just seeing it bleeding red right all over puking. the
1: place. Hang on, let me sign into this one real quick. Oh, <laughs> there it is. God, folks. I'm just getting murdered. Okay, that's all I got right now from the positions I hold. Down about 20k, um, right, but so. I know that I know for sure that I've lost more than that. I've just sold those positions. Got got out of there. Thank God.
3: So do you think kids. there's hope? Do you think do you believe in the sports gambling industry as much as Joe does?
1: I think In down markets, when we're like where we are right now, a bear market, we're on a nine month cycle right now. Companies like sports gambling are going to get crushed. Like, that's disposable income. Who the fuck has, I don't care how much you make, who's got like tons of disposable income right now with everything happening? Interest rates up, inflation's up, like everything's getting, markets getting crushed. So, I think your money obviously isn't going to be spent gambling. I think this is what we've heard before on podcasts multi-millionaires and millionaires are made in bear markets. Like this is the time to get aggressive. So, I think buying some more DraftKings at this price point not a terrible
3: idea. So you'd rather since you said a lot of people don't have disposable income, but it's also time to take advantage of this market. You're saying put away the sports gambling dollars and invest it in uh, some long-term strategies. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's what I'm saying. But what I think
1: what the big thing, too, is like, there's certain... Style, I think a big 101 takeaway out there is there are cyclical... Like when I was a banker, we talked about this. How cyclical is the company? And so the idea behind cyclicality is, does the business have uh, impact, the revenue, the, the profitability, based on what's happening in the economy? Let's give examples, right? Like the gambling market, the Win Casino, which is publicly traded. The Win Casino is going to be cyclical. It's going to have, uh, you know, first of all, seasonality of when... There are the most people that will actually uh, travel to Vegas, and two, when the economy's down, it's going to cycle down because less people are traveling, less money people are spending money on gambling, less people are going to Vegas, so it will have a downturn when the market's downturn. Let's talk about something that's non-cyclical, has no correlation whatsoever to the market beer and beverage, Constellation Brands, STZ. It could be a downturn. It could be an upturn. It could be a war. It could be thriving. People are still drinking their booze, right? So those are things to think about when you're looking at a company.
3: We just made a Bishop Carney uh, Selects jersey for the owner of Constellation Brands, Sands. The Sands family, Big,
1: billionaires yeah. out of Rochester, New York. Killer, killer company. Love that stock, by the way.
3: Big supporter of the STZ. Program. What else do you got, Jason? You got anything else before we wrap up today?
1: You know what, David? It's good to see you. It's good to hear from you. This artwork, we're working on merch with Mindy Lehman. I'm excited about this. It's pretty sweet. Go follow us on Trading Secrets Instagram. Give us five-star review if you can. If you guys are enjoying these Trading Secrets with the viewers segments, please let us know. We'll keep them coming. The pharmacist was on today. And David, the last thing I'm going to wrap with is we need, I was even thinking about when I'm introing uh, our pharmacist today, Chris, and I'm like, we're Trading Secrets. With the viewer. Like, it's just not catchy. And our listeners need something. They need, like, a title. They need, like, are our listeners, are they traders? Are our listeners viewers? Are our listeners swing traders, day traders? Are they students? I don't know. So, if you're out there and you have an idea for what we should call our listenership, give us five stars and put in the comments what you think it should be. If we pick it, I'm sending you a hundred bucks because the thing is, is we're Paying attention to these reviews, a couple people from the reviews got Yankees tickets. We just gave a bunch of stuff out. Put in five stars, put in what you think we should call this community. I kind
3: of like traders. Do you have any other ideas, David? I think I posed this earlier, but we uh, maybe it was just a side combo we had. We need something like we need something because there's a lot of loyal people out there. I'm ripping through the reviews right now, and there's something I did want to talk about too because Joe said that cut fruit, the to go is like the thing that they make their highest margins off of all and time. last week we talked about what well, something in our lives that we wouldn't sacrifice for our quality of life yep time value money i'm a grab the, the cut fruit guy all the time grab the cut vegetables pre-washed everything
0: you also spend 26 a week <laughs> but i will tell you this david ever since our conversation about how much i spend i've been so much more cognizant of what i'm spending the last three nights, I wanted to order like late night Uber Eats food. Night then, I just went and made something that we had. So I didn't. Uh, we didn't go out to dinner, or, or Kayla and I, or order food Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. And I'm proud of us for that.
3: $65 DoorDash order last night when I got home from Minnesota. There we go. What'd you eat? Garbage, pl- two garbage plates for Ashley and I. Pizza logs and chicken, uh, popcorn, chicken. For
0: anyone that doesn't know, David can house food. I mean, like no one I've seen before eating challenge, the McDonald's challenge. He was the closest I've seen anyone getting done. Uh, But that being said, David, we got Bachelor in Paradise premiere that comes out tonight. That's why we had the King of Paradise on jokes. If you guys want more people, if you have any suggestions, you let us know. We'll be here for it. And if you want to be a trading secret viewer that comes on and tells us your industry and story, we are here for it. David, before we wrap up.
3: No, I'm going to get some. You talked about housing food. Sunday sauce is a big thing here. I'm going to get some Sundays with Joe. I can't wait to try it. Um, you should all go out there and get it too. Check
0: it out. David's going to do a full review that will be on the Facebook page. Go join our Training Secrets Facebook page. David is going to do a Joe sauce review. So go check that out. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Training Secrets. Hopefully one you can't afford to miss.